Okay, as you guys know, in about August last year, Sean head off to the United Kingdom and was there for a year, part of a, which church was it again? St. Paul's. St. Paul's Church through a group of churches called New Wine that Steve connected us to. But I just wanted to have a quick conversation with him to keep you up to date with what's happening in this man's life. And uh, give us a little snapshot of what it was like to be in the UK for a year, what you were doing, all the stuff you were involved in. When I was there, end of May, beginning of June, I spent the day with him. It was fantastic to catch up with this guy. We had a good time. He took me for lunch as well, which was awesome. Just give me a little snap. Give us a little snapshot of what you were involved in and what was happening in that year that you were there. Sweet. Yeah, so I literally left here in August to get to London. It was first time living there. So our first thing is the culture shock because everything is just different. Um, Everything is really different. Our people are different. Um, also, like, the, the way society works is different. Um, but I, I quickly adjust as well. The first thing I looked for was a rugby club. Like, what, club <laughs> what rugby club I could play for and the community belong to. And the thing with rugby is that you realize you belong to a community quickly. So when you play rugby, you find friends easily. And you can communicate with people that are on the same level as you. Um, then, yeah, my job was pretty much simple. I was a youth intern with a, within a church called St. Paul's, and I was doing a discipleship year. So basically, every Tuesday, we just get out together with other kids from all over the from all over UK, or England in general. They would come together on Tuesday, and we'd do like a theology class and teachings. We get to learn about the Bible, what God does, and then you do what interns do. So what? For those who don't know what church internship is like, it's not that amazing what you see on stage, you know, preaching and all that stuff. It's pretty much the hardcore moving chairs every Sunday, <clears throat> doing the coffees, doing the work that nobody does so that this looks pretty. That's what we were doing every, for almost 11 years. And um, my main job was to literally, um, I also started mentoring a mentoring club. I mentored about 10 boys. That we're suffering with mental health, which is one of my passions to help people that suffer with mental health. And I started um, with 10 boys and would gather together every Monday, chill, you know, just talk through life, what's happening, and all slowly but surely just speak to them how God really get to be involved in their daily life. What you realize in England, everything is really super cool. The transport works well, everything is just on top, the peas are coming in. But what you don't realize people are actually really, really super lonely. And everyone is looking to belong to a community. People are, kids are lonely because of the pressure from school. So my job was just to be the light in their life in every possible way I could be. And um, yeah. Fantastic. So it was, a, it was a great year. Not always an easy year. Yeah. It had its challenges, culture-wise, and also the environment that working with people and understanding that's, but it's built into you. And I yeah. can see that over the time. So, but now you finished up in... Uh, August, September this year uh, with the reality of wanting to go back to the UK. But the point of going back to the UK is what's opened up for you now going forward? Sweet. Um, so playing rugby for, um, sorry, playing rugby for Ealing Trailfinders kind of opened many opportunities because I went there and you realize that rugby in England is just for the privilege. It's not really for everyone. So the privilege get to play rugby. And I go to this community and so like, yo, guys, I can't, I can't really afford to pay a membership fee, but I can show you what I got. They're like, okay, come back on Tuesday. I went on Tuesday. I trained. They say, come back on Thursday again. I trained on Thursday. Then they say, okay, can you play on Saturday? I was like, yeah. So I played on Saturday. And they're like, oh, you're now a member. Don't worry about anything else. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, 
played, I think I played about 22 games for them. Um, only sustained one injury, thank God for that. And um, so every end of the season, they, like, they do awards. And I, I, got, I received one as a breakthrough player of the year. Because I, I was really... so. Can't blame the screen box. Um, so moving on from that, they chose five players from the club. And they were bought... Every club in the United Kingdom had to choose players to send to this uh, trial they call Face Point, where every young person under the age of from 18 to 21 get offered an opportunity to go and play rugby in America because they're looking for rugby players. So I was one of the five that got chosen and I uh, went to the trials in Saracens. But the, the, the funny fact is that the season had finished in May. So we're talking about July time. But I don't know why. So I just something in me was just like, just keep on training, just keep on running, just keep on being fit. And I kept on being and fit. And we can and see you've been training a bit there. But <laughs> yeah. No. But no. I just kept on being fit, training, and um, lucky enough, I was emailed by Ricky. He said, yo, Sean, we have chosen you to go and represent the club. We think you'll do well there. So I went for the trials at Saracens Rugby Club. And yeah, I just got there casual, do my thing, and we just played. Um, we just played rugby. And then after that... Um, Went back home, and uh, two day, three days later, I got an email said, Hey, Sean, you have made it to the next round of getting a scholarship to go study in America and play rugby. Um, yeah, then after that, just invite you for an interview at Wembley Stadium, and got to, got to be at Wembley, see everything. And, but they don't tell it's an interview. They ask you, so who do you live with? What do you do? They just say, they must be on my own. This is my routine, Monday to Friday. And I didn't know they were interviewing me. They just spoke to them, like, what I do. And then, yeah, at the end of the interview, I just see him saying, the guy was like, congratulations. We think you will present our company really well. We'd like you to be on board with us. And um, we'll, we'll make sure, 100% guaranteed, we'll get you a scholarship to go study and play rugby in America. So, yeah. Mm. Wow. So, so that's only next year, kind yeah, of September time. Okay, so now he, the plan is he wants to go back to the UK and be with another church group that are going to use him as an intern again, some more slave driving for you. <laughs> you know, just yeah. to learn a little bit more and do that. So he's just on the process with getting his visa sorted out. Uh, there was a few complications that we've just got to kind of work through here, but he's got faith that God's opening a door for him. Yeah. But Apart from this, you see, what, what I keep saying to him is, bro, one day you're going to play for America at the World Cup in rugby yeah. and stuff. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I mean, he might need to help the English. I mean, we don't know how that plays out. <laughs> but we don't, we don't know what the future holds. But yeah. actually, part of my sermon today is that proverb that says, you know, you choose your path, but the Lord orders your steps. You know, but there's a whole lot you're doing in the background because obviously God's working in your heart and your life through all this. This is just the path that's been chosen for him. But he's still got a heart that lives for God. Yeah. Every day what he does and believes for to see God work in and through him. So tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel and your heart about this app that you're designing and all sorts of stuff. Uh, yeah? Um, yeah, so basically like you know, when, you, when I got there, um, one thing I realized I had so much time for myself. And one thing that really requires is like discipline. So when I started, this, when I started mentoring the guys, that are the kids I was mentoring, um, so one of the challenges I had, I always wanted to be like to use... You know, nowadays we live in a social, digital world. And, and South Africa is a bit slow, but you get there. <laughs> but, like, if you live in, in Europe, Europe, everything is digital. Now, not, even if you buy your groceries, it's just ordered online, they get delivered to you. So I was like, you know, I, I really love social media. 
I have nothing against it. And I wanted to use it positively and not just, you know, out of all the negative stuff that's going on. And um, I just like, you know, my Instagram was like, you know, I just want to use this positively, either when I'm in the gym or whatever it is, just to inspire someone out there. And um, we started our YouTube channel called Extraordinary Motivation. The thing behind Extraordinary is my, sort of my brand. I can own it, my brand, Extraordinary. Because I believe everyone is ordinary, but you can be extraordinary. By the way you live your life, your attitude towards life, your choices every day, you can choose to just say, I don't want to be ordinary. I can't, I'm not just created for this. There's mm. so much more. And, and taking steps by step by doing that. We started Extraordinary Motivation. And we just, you know, it's me taking on a camera, talking about self-discipline. Like, self-discipline is not, hey, don't do that. It's not good. It's like, I love me, man. I love this guy, so I'm not going to do that. I love this guy, so I'm not going to eat junk food. I love this guy, so I'm not going to really do things that are not necessarily benefiting for this guy. So we just really enlighten things, especially for sportsmen. Like, uh, you know, community, the power of community, this power of community like this. This is great. You know, you come here, you get, meet people. But what you realize, after this, what happens? Do you have community at home? Do you go out of your way and say, hey, buddy, do you want to go for coffee? Can I come to my house for dinner? So things like that, we talk about topics that are really just surfaced in community and say, hey, let's, let's just really make this practical. And another thing on my app, so we, we're, starting, we're developing an app and a website already called Train With Sean. So Train With Sean is not just... Uh, it's not just a physical you know, training in the gym. It's actually mental health, mental as well. So as you train your body, 20% is training your body. 20% is the gym. 80% is the mental stuff. What goes in your mind? What are you telling yourself when you don't feel like training? And also, how do you deal with life? Because what you realize is most people think it's like, we love going to the gym. No, we don't. It sucks sometimes. You don't want to be there. But what you do is that when you fix it, you say, I have to train. And when, even when I hate it, when it's raining and I put on my shoes and I'm going for training, the mental things start preparing you for things that you face in life, the challenges that comes your way. Because you have prepared your mind saying, whatever comes my way, I'm still going to have a good attitude towards it. I'm still going to be positive towards it. And not just suck and just feel sorry for myself, self-pity. No, that's why we're we developing Train Mission to train people phys- physically, but also mentally to face life in general. Come on. Yeah, maybe I should sign up, eh? <laughs> anyway, one day. Bro, I just want to honor what God's doing in your life. And uh, you've, how you've trusted Him. It hasn't all worked out. and hasn't all just gone smooth and stuff. But it's tested His heart. But He's still got a heart for the King. And God's ordering His steps as He's kind of setting His corsets. I just want to pray for you. On you. So, Father, I want to thank you for this young man. I want to thank you that you are raising him up mm. to do great things for you. Lord, we want to thank you for your hand that is upon him. Mm. Father, I pray you'd continue to anoint what Sean puts his hands to. I know he doesn't do these extraordinary things and these kind of things to motivate people, just to motivate. He's motivated them to find the truth mm. that he has found, that motivates him. He's motivated by grace. There's mm. no law that's driving him to do this stuff. He's found the grace and truth of a Savior that has mm. captured his heart. I pray, Lord, that you continue to raise him up, continue to, to lead him forward. We pray for these visa stuff now that it's just processing. We pray for favor. We pray, Lord, you have clarity, knowing exactly how you want to process this thing out. Thank you for the favor he's got from people that are prepared just to pay his way, and just to give him money to kind of set this course for him. So, Lord, we just pray your favor and blessing on him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You. Bless you, my brother.
Awesome. Yeah, I mean, someone actually gave him three and a half thousand pounds towards, towards that. I said, bro, that's like 50 grand that someone's dropped on you. They're 50,000 rand. Do you see? So when the Lord guides, he provides. What's that other one? If it's the Lord's will, he fits the bull. Hey, is that the one? Yeah, come on. It's good. Fantastic. Okay, still, anyone for the bracelet? Going once. Babe, you can have it. No, no, she doesn't want it now. That's fine. Leave it there. It's here if you want it afterwards. Okay, these last few weeks have been uh, quite powerful in the life of this church. When we uh, started with Africa here on the 13th of October, Africa and Shlope preached here and uh, brought, brought God into this room. And I think our hunger and, and desire of what God was doing like, met like this. And uh, it was powerful. And then we had Shalom preaching here a couple of weeks ago on forgiveness. Now he's busy writing his exams, final exams, that the man's busy. I don't think he's here. Shalom, you here? No, he's not. He's, he's head in the books doing stuff. He's got his finals to kind of put together. And then Percy, last week. He didn't mince his words, okay? And I didn't know that he was going to call me captain all morning too, which is cool. <laughs> captain, captain. I like the way he prophesied over people where he said, read this verse. Because it's the Word of God that speaks and motivates your heart and your life. And uh, I mean, I met him a couple of months ago and just chatting and he dropped a verse in my heart. But again, like I was saying, in between all that, there was this white guy that preached in between all these other guys preaching, which was me, <laughs> in the midst of all that. But saying, what is God doing with us? God's got our number here. And last, at the end of last week, I said, uh, you know, it's been, a, it's been a refining process. God has found a people that he wants to work in and through. And we are responding, and it's stretching us, it's refining us, it's kind of molding us and shaping to what God is leading us into. And, uh, and I just feel what Percy was saying about the individual, listen to me, listen to me, about the individual. Now, look, I'm going to show you now, I'm going to show you now. He kept saying those words. I tell you, listen to me, that's going to come. Yeah, I just... The individual, the family, and the church. They are not three separate entities that operate on their own. The Western world has sold us individual Christianity. Do it all on your own and then just come together and rah, rah, but you're still here in the meeting just doing your own thing. Jesus, me and Jesus. He doesn't see it like that. He sees you in your heart, but he sees the context of family uniting together and the power of church. Where that all culminates together. They're all intertwined. They don't operate separately, but they all have their own standing point, but it all kind of molds and links together. And that's, that's what God's showing us. I think in our own lives, what God is doing, but also the reality of our families and all that we're believing for, but what God is doing with this church family and what he's leading us into here. And he gave me a verse when I met with him a couple of months ago, Joshua 3 verse 4, and it says, sorry, I think I might just have this in a PowerPoint. Bella, can we just run there? And I'm going to pose you a question right from the very beginning. Any thoughts on 2020 yet? Someone's phone's calling them, telling them that there is. <laughs> Any thoughts about 2020? Have you got there yet? Have you just like, <laughs> bro, let's just get through November, December. You are getting ahead of yourself. Why I'm telling you this, when you've got a lot of calamity and all sorts of stuff, you only can think about here and it's all this kind of going on and the balance and the order in our world as Lord's leading us is you actually get to start seeing further. 
You've got to start setting your mind forward. Because if you're unprepared, what happens is, you are then being reactive to everything that comes your way. I, I don't think kingdom mentality is reactive. Oh, okay, okay, we'll run you. Oh, this claim, oh, we'll fix you, fix you. And actually, you just run around fixing, but there's no order, there's no pattern, there's no rhythm. The unforced rhythms of grace in your world that allow you to be proactive. I really believe kingdom is a proactive thing. Setting an order, setting a direction, setting things in place. So now start, start focusing your mind to next year already. What do you got? November, kids write exams, finish up the year, everyone goes on a break, we have Christmas, but then it's New Year. Because we know what to do, we know what's coming, all the realities. Start setting your sights a little bit further and a little bit beyond. Don't start next year unprepared. Don't arrive into next year and go, okay, here we are, what's going to happen? And I'm going to talk into this over the next couple of weeks a little bit. But this is the verse that he gave me. It said, Joshua 3, 4, it says, Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, and 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. He's talking about Joshua and the Israelites crossing over the Jordan. And the Ark of the Covenant was always the thing that led them. The presence of God led them into how and where they needed to go. So there were the priests, the Levites in those days, that carried the Ark, that understood, knew exactly what the process was to go, and said, do not come near it, that you honor, and you stand in all the presence of God. You don't become relaxed and chilled, just, you know, God's in the house, it's all cool. There's an awe and a reverence of His majesty. In order that you may know the way you shall go. What leads you in your life? Circumstances, things around us, or the Lord in ordering where you need to go. And here's the reality for us as a body. And I said to you a couple of months ago, we are walking into uncharted territory. We've never been this way before. We're crossing over. We're walking into new things that God is doing with us. He's preparing us. He's working in our hearts. But we don't have to fear because the presence of God leads us. And guides us and shows exactly the steps we need to take as we lead in God. So there's no fear. And I'm going to speak into that a little bit today about the reality of getting our heads in the game. Get your head in the game. Not just go with, yeah, we flow. Get your head in the game and start thinking about what God is doing with us and moving forward. Because as you apply your mind and as you kind of set things in your heart and your mind about where God's leading us, clarity comes. And I really believe next year being 2020, and I said this to Joe when Joe came to prophesy over the band, or she came, well, I'll rephrase that. Joe came to speak to the band in June 2020 and ended up prophesying over us. That just, sorry, in, in 2018. Wow, that's amazing, Joe. She's ahead, of, she's ahead of her time. <laughs> June 2018, the band that were there, you'll remember that night, it was powerful. God spoke to us and she said the next 18 months in the Bay are going to be crucial but what God is doing with us, in us, and through us. And there's a lot that's been happening in the background, not just interns running around doing stuff here that you don't see happen, but what God is doing by positioning us, by wooing us and calling us. And that 18 months is now coming to draw into close. And I said to her that night in June 2018, I said, 2020, there's something about 2020 vision. There's something about clarity. So when you've got 2020 vision, you can see perfectly. And God's been brewing us. You know, Jane's bought glasses and had to wear them because her eyes have been weird and she couldn't see properly. And then she prayed for herself and now she doesn't need to wear glasses. <laughs> That's amazing. Why not? So she's going to pray for me because I'm at that point. I think I might glasses. I don't feel like wearing glasses. But why not? 
See the reality? Why not? Oh, no, please, you're being over, you're ridiculous. No, no, I'm scared of age there, Neil, but you're, you're, a, you're a young 70. I can be just like you. 2020 vision. And you, when you set your sights forward, you get clarity. And God's been brewing with us as a body about what clarity is coming to us as a, as a people. And again, we got a prophetic word earlier this year, and I shared it a little bit with you. But it's been defining, helped define the structure what God's given us as the bay. And it was, Joe prophesied, well, actually sent it to me and didn't share it here on a Sunday, but she saw this picture of angels, and I have shared it here before, I think, but I want to just clarify exactly what God is doing so you see the structures. Is uh, saw angels pouring out three different liquids over us as a community into three big vats. And the elders were all standing around this reality of these big vats. The one, the one liquid was liquid gold glory being poured out to us. Two angels were holding this big kind of um, pan in a way, which in that context in heaven, when you see those things, it means it's been filled with the prayers and the worship of the saints. And there's like an overflow now that's happening from heaven, and they're responding with an overflow of what we've been building as we've worshipped and pressed in and honored God in things. The second one was fresh oil, oil being poured out into another vat. And the third one was new wine being poured out. Now all those things of glory, from oil to new wine, we all will get an understanding of a context of the power and the context of what the word speaks about those liquids. But what they actually symbolize and what they're saying when God does it. And she was like, what are they pouring out into? And these three big vats. One vat was Bay City Church. One vat was Siakula. And one vat was Sozo. Now if you see that picture in the structure, God has given us a framework to work within. Because those two, um, I call them organizations, but arms that reach out from this, from this church into the community holistically cover and touch the whole family yeah. in every way. And as a community, we gather to what God is doing with us. And within, we'll strengthen our marriages. We'll raise our kids to know the ways of the king. We will walk in the freedom what God has given us. We will be um, good stewards with our finances. We will have all these things within the body. And these three vats... As they were pouring in, overflowed. And they overflowed here. And the elders were involved in this with blank trumpets and turning to the north, the south, the east, and the west, what God is doing. But what happened is, as they overflowed, that liquid all melded into one. And it flowed from this place out and touched many hearts. Now, this is prophetically saying, God's saying, I want, I'm doing this in and through you. We've got to, we've got to do it. He's not going to wave a wand and go, yeah, it's going to happen. He's going to say, are you up for it? Yeah. You up for it? I'm up for it. Then no, don't worry, it's not going to kill us. It's going to make us come alive. More than ever, as we press into what God is doing here with us. And that, that structure for me helped understand. And there's a few pictures that I've got of visions of stuff that I'm, I'm actually going to give to some artists. Sammy, I need to talk with you about some pictures. And Sheila, like you see, can you see that? Can you see that picture? I can artists to paint those for us, to actually see them visibly of what the prophetic is seeing, and to actually put them down on canvas and stuff. I'm just prophetically helping our artists to see those as well for us. See, Percy said something last week, which was Gary said, very good. He said, we don't pray or don't come to pray because we don't see quick results. See, you can't, you can't get caught up in the world society with, you do something and then instantly it happens and changes. Prayer is just not that. Part of the undergirding for us next year is prayer. 
It's pressing into God, saying, God, here we are. We hear you as individuals, as families, and as a church. And we don't push you a lot. We don't push a lot of meetings. We don't push a lot of programs in this church at all. But we have one thing that we do once a month where we press into God's presence, and that's first fruits. And that's an, it's over and beyond in a sense of all the, the other rhythms and that can happen. But it's a place where we can come and into God's presence. And I've been talking to a whole host of people, how are we going to kind of arrange that environment. So it creates a space for you to come and pray and be before God. Because you're taking your individual part and adding it to the corporate to say, here we are, Lord. And heaven responds. Heaven responds when he sees hearts aligned, when he sees unity. There's a blessing that flows that comes with that. And he's calling us to do that. Set your sights to next year. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you all the dates up front at the beginning of the year of when first fruits happen. So you're ahead of the game. You can't come to me and say, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was on. Ach, no, sorry, man. No, but you see, we told you in January, and now it's like April, and you're like, set these rhythms in your life. This is not law, okay? This is not law. You're looking at me like I'm telling you what to do, okay? This is the rhythms of grace. There's a rhythm in your life that looks spiritual. You don't just do what you want to do. Like Percy said, whose terms are you doing this on? And he's calling us. Come on, lay more. And you know what? He doesn't give quick results because he tests your heart. Sees how long you'll press in. And I firmly believe in proportion to the amount we press in and we hunger and desire will be in proportion to how much he pulls out. So where does the, where does the responsibility lie? On a people. On a people. Not just the eldership, on a people to say, I will position myself. That's why I said a couple of weeks ago, get your heart in. Because if your heart's on the fringe, your benefits are fringe. But when God, you invested your hearts in, we will fully all benefit with what God is doing in and through us as a community here. Okay, and I want, while I'm saying point your sights towards next year, there's rhythms that we will have as a community, and we'll work within that and stuff. But I want you to kind of think, well, what is the assignments that God is wanting you to do next year? You know, all of you will have a mandate over your life. I know the mandate over my life. But along the way, there are assignments that he gives me to fulfill. So what are, you, what are you thinking as you're leading into the next year? What are you praying in your heart? Just saying, God, what are the things that in your sphere of influence and the people that you hang around with, your families, your work environment, the, the, the places of education that you go, the people that you're in touch with. When we speak about sphere of influence, it's not like you've got to try and find people. You go and see people every single day of your life. There they are, right in front of you. How are, you, how are you praying about bringing kingdom impact, being salt and light to the people around you, to the, to the circumstances in your work environment where they're needing some understanding and you bring the key, to a, an environment where they're just looking at something to be done and you bring the answer, you bring the solution. This is this kingdom mindset that's far beyond the natural, that you're living in another realm because you live from heaven to earth and when you walk into an environment, you bring your influence of light. Is it Bible bashing? No. It's bringing truth and bringing light. So what are you thinking? What are you saying on your heart? God, what are the things that I need to transform? The things that I need to see changing in my own life? But the environment that I'm in, what am I trusting you and am I believing you for? And it's, it's setting your mind towards these things. What do you need to prophesy into to see that thing change? To say, no more. I'm not, I'm not having this. I'm not going to put up with this environment and stuff. No, God, we're going to speak your truth. We're going to speak you into the circumstance. As an individual as a family and as a corporate. 
Church, I can feel you stretching me. You're like, dude, it's still not 2019. Like, relax. You've got to get your head in the game. You've got to be ahead of stuff because God's working ahead of you and He's just drawing you, pulling you along as He leads you. Okay? Because again, those spheres of society that you were working to. So it could be a family member, it could be a work colleague, it could be a step of faith, it could be a prophetic action He's asking you to do. God told me to speak to the wind for 60 days last year. Speak to the wind for 60 days. I mean, why must I do that? What difference is that going to make? I don't know. Just do it. And ask the questions and try and be clever about trying to figure out the final answer. Be obedient. And now when the wind blows, every time I feel the wind blow, I say, stir into, fla- stir into to, to, um, the flame, the passion in our hearts, that the embers of hearts would come to flame. And Lord, when the wind blows over Cape Town, let that fire arise in people's hearts of a passion to serve your king. He's changed my heart about the wind. The southeast doesn't really bother me as much as it did. Interesting, eh? Just be obedient to little assignments. It's your journey. See, we went on an assignment as a church to go and s- at the 42-kilometer boundaries of the church to set a stake and over the city. What are the effects of that? I don't know. But a lot has shifted in the heavens because we were obedient to what God all asked us to do. See, don't look for results, folks. Just look for faithfulness and obedience and stuff. And God's starting to use us to arise us. Because what is the base foundation of why you are here on earth? What is the point of you being here? It's to bring transformation and change to a dying world. Go and read Isaiah 61. Jesus, that was his mandate. And he's given it to us to continue of what he's established and started here to repair the broken walls, to see people set free, prisoners set free, bound. That's the, that is the constant move of what the kingdom's about. Bringing light where there's dark. Every single moment, all the time. That's the point of what we're walking into. And God's leading us into this. So what I want to do, I want to chat about a little bit about the thin blue line. Now, you guys have probably heard of that comedy, The Thin Blue Line. Remember that years ago with Rowan Atkinson and stuff? This has nothing to do with a thin blue line. I remember my dad used to love that program with my mom. He always used to care about arty, tarty, hang it on your nose, sun-dried tomato, it was all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But I found one, one very classic snippet from this movie. There's a couple of actors in this series. And there's Habib, Goody, and Fowler. That are, so basically, thin blue lines, like they're a police force that are trying to kind of bring like, the peace to people. That was a little bit so. So Habib says, Which came first, the chicken or the egg? And Goody says, I know, I know. Fala says, Do you, Goody? Then what is the answer? Because it wants to get to the other side? <laughs> that's, how, that's how stupid that program was. Anyway. But the thin blue line is this funny thing in Google called that line there. So what I did was I tracked that is from Cape Town, this building to Louis Trechart, where we were a couple of weeks ago, at the top of South Africa. Okay, you can see the blue line is the path that's been set to follow. The gray lines are other options that will take you a lot longer and be more painful. Because one has to go through the border, through Gaborone, through Botswana, and across through the top, and there's different options. So the details are, from Bay City Church all the way to Louis, Louis Trechart, is 1,848 kilometers. It will take, if you drive at an average of probably what the speed limits are on each of the roads, take you 17 hours and 40 minutes. And it'll set your path. And it says there at the one point, it says, fastest route and the usual traffic. 
Google actually can kind of figure out. So this thin blue line that operates and works, you have a choice to kind of follow that path or choose your own way. I chose to follow the blue line when we drove because I just knew that I was going to be going. So I'm going to walk through this understanding a little bit. So here's a few passages. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, Within your heart you can make plans. Within your heart you make plans for your future. But the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. That's exactly what Sean's doing. Sending his heart. Say, Lord, this is, door's opening for me. And there's always that reality of making a choice. If you lose your peace, you're actually not making a choice for God. There's something wrong. So I always ask, have you got peace about it? Do you feel that that God's there? Yeah, and I've got peace about it. Well, then keep walking in it. Because that's the path that you're choosing. And there's peace with that. He will help order your steps. If you want to read this longer section, this is also again in Proverbs, Proverbs 4. It says, my son, if you will take the time to stop and listen to me and embrace what I say, you will live a long and happy life of full understanding in every way. I have taken you by the hand in wisdom's ways, pointing you to the path of integrity. Your progress will have no limits when you come along with me, talking about wisdom now, and you will never stumble as you walk along the way. So receive my correction, no matter how hard it is to swallow, for wisdom will snap you back into place. Her words will be invigorating life to you. Do not detour into darkness or even set foot on that path. Stay away from it. Don't even go there. For troublemakers are restless if they are not involved in evil. They are not satisfied until they have brought someone to harm. They feed on darkness and drink until they're drunk on wine of wickedness. But the lovers of God walk on the highway of light. And their way shines brighter and brighter until they bring forth the perfect day. But the wicked walk in thick darkness like those who travel in fog and yet don't have a clue why they're stumbling. Powerful. That's from the Passion Translation. So when you set your sights on something, so if, you, if I'm going to shoot a weapon, I don't just aimlessly go, well, let me shoot at the clock in the back. I don't know. I've actually got to align and calibrate the weapon, set my sights on the target. So I know exactly where I'm going to be shooting. Whether I'm a good shot or not depends on my ability to do that. So it's the same when you are going to sail a ship across the Atlantic Ocean. You are going to set your course. You're going to know exactly where you're going. You're going to walk with that and then you're going to tack your way with the wind and make your way according to, is it a straight path? No, it'll work its way around, but you know where you're going. The same if we're going to go hike in the mountains, we plot our path. We know exactly where our destination is and we follow the path. It leads us down to where we want it to go. The same as if a pilot flies an airplane. The same as if you get in a car and put Google Maps in there. It tells you exactly where your destination is when you've set it. Okay, so now there are different ways that you can travel. There's different ways that you can get from one point to another and how you can do it. That's obviously modes of transport. Is it a plane? Is it a bird? Is, no, it's Superman, that kind of stuff. Okay, there's choices of you can choose the fastest route, you can choose the back roads, you can choose the uh, way there's going to be less traffic, but it'll eventually get you according to where you need to go. But it's very important that when you are traveling upon this path, that you're going, well, you understand the season and the time that you're in. Because there's two different ways of traveling. One way you travel is you take time and smell the roses. 
When you've got 1,800 kilometers, you don't really feel like smelling the roses and taking your time because you know you've got a longer path to walk. Or you can have that mentality of coming through, coming through, here we go, up the way, we're on a mission, here we go, which I realize is pretty much the difference between the way men and women shop. Because if I go to the shops, I walk in, get what I want, and leave. But there's another person that I know that I shop with often. Babe, I just want to go to so-and-so. So we go here, we go there, we go here, we all these little things, and oh, I just need to shoot to this quickly and kind of stuff. And we wander around the shop, but it's all over the place. You can travel by taking time to smell the roses and take your plot. Honestly, we joke, but you've got to know the timing and season you're in. Some tea seasons, or you've got to go. You've got to get from one place to another. Other times, it's just walking along and enjoying each part and section. But when you've got 1,800 kilometers, there's no stopping and having coffee every half an hour. It'll take you days to get there. I don't travel well like that. Farnas, I don't think you like that either. Okay, so there are different ways you can do that. But the whole point, the whole point is if you, if you know where you're going, you've got to know where you're starting. Okay, so you don't just aimlessly begin. Okay, well, you've got to know your location point to start with. Because if you're starting from a random place, there's no order. You've got to actually have a location setting it to where you want to go. So that speaks into the context of there's 1 Samuel 16, 1, where the Lord is speaking to Samuel, and he says to him, fill your horn and go. Do you think Samuel's journey there was, fill my horn and go. Okay, now I just want to go see this. I want to go and do that. Different. He is on a mission to get somewhere. And the whole point is fill his horn and go is because he was grieving about Saul and as a king who was just messing it up and God's were telling him, go and anoint David to be king. He's the next one. Mission. Did he take his time? Wander around? Do this stuff? No. He had to get to that point. So the context of knowing your commissioning, knowing your sending, understanding where you come from and where you're going is very important. The same with Saul. Saul's mandate for his life was commissioned to be king, but along the way with his little assignments, he failed. He was disobedient to the Lord, and what did he do? He lost the mantle of kingship over Israel, and God chose someone else. And God raised David up. David's mandate was to be king over Israel, to establish that kingdom, to see God work and move. Did he have hassles along the way? His mandate was the big picture. Did he have some struggles in the assignments that he was called to do? Oh, yes. Did he stop? Did he ponder, worry, oh God? It took time, but he knew he was going. The same with Apostle Paul, or Paul the Apostle. We don't speak apostle and prophet like that way around, eh? He knew God mandated him when he pulled him off his horse and said, you will do this and this and this for me, and he raised him up. And yes, did he have struggles along the way? He was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was all that. Peter, same story. John, same story. Jesus. Same story. We're in good company, folks. When you've set your course and you know the mandate over your life of what God has called you to do, that all aligns with your gifting, it all aligns with the understanding of what God has placed in your heart and you see the big picture and you know where you're going. And along the way, He uses you. Little things, just little things along the way. Some will take three days, some will take one hour, some will take two years. Different assignments Along the way, according to God's call, the mandate over your life. But the key is you've got to know where you start from so that you know where you're going to be sent to. That's very important. Knowing where you're going means 
knowing where you're going means you know where you've come from. And that's often rooted in a house. It's not an individual going, oh, I just want to do this. It's mandated through the structure that God's given through his word and how it operates and works. Individual ministries that operate on their own out there, I don't believe, are the flight and life of what God's done. The hope is the church. And it's foundational through the church of God. And it's the springboard for all that to take place. That's another sermon. I'm not going to go into authority right now and how that operates and works. But yeah, as you're traveling, as you're going, you set your course, you know your destination. So if you're driving around in South Africa or you drive around in this area, it's familiar, right? You don't put a map on. You know exactly where you're going. You don't even think about it. Subconsciously, you just go. There are times like that where we just, things of God, we just keep going. We know exactly what we need to do. We just keep plotting. Keep going. Keep going. We know the territory. We're familiar with it. We're understanding our surroundings, so we're comfortable. We're around. We, all those things are, are familiar to us, so we understand them. But what happens when you're un, in unfamiliar territory? I've driven in other countries. I've driven on the wrong side of the road. I promise you it's a little bit more stressful driving somewhere else, particularly in the wrong, the wrong side of the road, because here you drive subconsciously. You don't even think about it. You don't, you don't even ponder where you're going. Just go. Because you know exactly where you're going. When you're driving somewhere else, you are forefront in your thinking. You are concentrating. Kids, shut up. Stop talking. I'm concentrating here in the car. <laughs> oh, freak, I've turned up the wrong road. I'm going the cars. Why are the cars coming towards me? Because you're on the wrong side of the road. So all of a sudden, it's forefront. You're unfamiliar territory. I don't know what I'm doing. So when it's unfamiliar, do you allow fear to dominate you? Or do you re- lean upon the trust of the, the Lord's place in your heart? Because that, the reality is when you're in unfamiliar territory, you're being stretched. God's just saying, come on, trust me, lean into me. Those are the tea ladies, very organized and man. Okay. So when it's different, and we've all been through this spiritually now, where you walk through seasons and times, you just feel, oh, it feels different, not comfortable. You know where you're going, but it's unfamiliar. And this is where you've got to trust. You've got to lean into the things of God as He leads and as He guides you. And you've got a choice at that point whether you're going to continue on that path or you're going to choose another route that just feels more familiar just and easier. Don't give me the stress. I don't need this in my life now. And you choose another path. You know, there are other options in Google. The other option there is going to take you another three and a half hours longer. So take that into average of years. God's got you for 80, 85, 90 years, whatever long on this earth. But you choose through a path and it takes you 10 years around. Because it was just easier and was better for me to do that. The choice you make is God leads you. Google will always reroute you. Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. It gets you back on the path. But if you wander and choose your own kind of things, it just takes longer. Now what happens is when you use different devices to kind of walk onto different um, and drive through different uh, areas. So when I was in the UK now in May, I had my phone with Google Maps. But then the guy in his car also had one of these Tommy GPS things. And the devices were telling me different things. I had both on. I'm like, I'm going to be doubly sure. I'm going to get lost here. Kind of stuff. This one was saying go left. That one said right. I'm like, and now? And then? What do we do now? So I turned one off and just trusted the one. Because what's going to happen when you're on your path 
And you know where you need to get to. It might be unfamiliar territory. You don't know how you're doing this, but you're trusting this thin blue line that's leading you. You need to silence other voices that come. There's the voice of the enemy who lies to you said, hook a right foot, much better down this way. It looks luring. His marketing, his strategy is outstanding. Lures you in. But no, no, we, but I need to go this way. Silence voices of opinions, advice. People are very good like this. Job's story is exactly, all his friends knew exactly what he needed to do. You did this, you wrong, you stepping out of line, but you, but you know you've got to stick to this path. You've got to be very sure of the voice that's speaking to you and leading you and guiding you as you walk along this path. Because here's the thing, what happens with people. If someone's asked to do a task or something for you, and you see it gets done in any scenario, it could be packing the dishwasher, it could be, let's use that one, packing the dishwasher. If you've got a dishwasher, you pack it in a certain way. Okay, you don't, you don't just throw that stuff in. Like you, you know what I'm saying. So if I ask the kids to pack the dishwasher, there's a process here, they're going to do it wrong first time around. So I will teach them and throw them, show them. But after a while, when I ask someone to do, say something of that example, and you find out it just, oh, first time around, didn't really work, wasn't the way, you think, mm, okay, maybe they're going to get it right. Second time around, hey, is that a thing? Yeah, okay, great, thanks very much. Mm. It's just, it's not right again, okay. Third time, what starts happening, you start losing credibility with the ability of this person to be able to complete whatever task it might be. So in that credibility, you lose some faith. I actually don't think that person can actually do it. So that's what happens when we are surrounded or surrounded by people and voices that speak to us. And how scenarios go, we lose credibility with people say, do this. You try it, it doesn't work. Because it's their opinion, not what God's telling you to do. Now tell me this. Will God ever lie to you? <laughs> so when he speaks, here's the truth of is it, do we ever need to second guess God? Never. So when he speaks and says, go left, go left. Because it's based on trust. And all these other voices and opinions that will speak to you. Look here, folks. The world today is throwing stuff at you. I was driving the other day, and there are these airplanes that fly in the sky. And they always have these banner, and it's mavericks. I'm like, what, what is the point, firstly, of flying an airplane in a clog with a banner like that? I'm like thinking, what is the point of that? People are going to look at it and get us up. You know what it is? Subliminal messaging. Just slowly feed you, feed you, feed you, feed you, years, feed you, feed you, years, years. Your marriage goes through struggles. You've got addiction to something. You're like, you know, stuff it. I'm going to go to the Mavericks. Because they've been feeding you that information for years. And that's what the world we live in today with social media is exactly that. Feeds you, feeds you, feeds you, feeds you. And you make decisions based upon subconscious thinking instead of spiritually being guided and understood by where the path needs to go. Mm. Please don't go to Mavericks, ever. The men are supposed to say, Amen. Amen! Yeah? Sure. Then there's the reality of that you're on your path, and you're going all comfortably, and things are fine, and you're traveling the speed limit, and it's all making good time, and things are going good. And then somebody wants to push in where you're driving. It's like, hey, what's going on here? And you either play the courteous, courteous, 
Yes, you may enter. Or you do the big ignore, like, oh, oh sorry, I didn't see you. Oh, I didn't see you. We've all done that too. And it's often a taxi that'll just be driving up the wrong way and push his way in. I've just learned not to waste any energy on stuff. See, here's the reality. You've chosen your path. You know where you're going as individual, family, church, all walking together. But someone wants to kind of press in where you are. Here's the reality. Those that joined this church today, the idea with that is that you're jumping onto our bus. You're jumping onto our train. You're coming with us. We're all going in the same direction together. We're all walking together. But there are those lawbreakers, like taxis, who will come in and will be, and that's where discernment is required. And who's going to come in and jump and push in your parade when they're actually not there in the right measure? You've got to be really be careful with that, of who you run with hearts with. Because you've got a choice there to make as well, whether you're going to choose judgment because somebody trying to cut in on this path. And who, who do you think you are to come and now bring your stuff here? And the church is full of love, full of patience, full of journeying with people. No judgment on hearts as we join people in in taxis. But there are those people that break the rules and just try and jump in. And people try and live off the back of your gain. So you've made good ground in your path and somebody else tries to live on the back of what you've slaved for and worked hard for. That's a, that's a different position. And so at the end of the day, was it, is it yours? Living for God. See the church in that environment. So these are some of the things that happen to us as we set our destination. We know where we're going, but things will press in on us. Things will work in us. So let me ask you, what is the final destination? When is the end? You're all thinking death. No, I don't think you're all thinking that. See, here's the thing. Our destination is, doesn't finish here. <laughs> it's far bigger. It's far greater. Eternity is in a destination that we will attain to. But everything we do now on earth is working towards that destination. Because you've understood your mandate. You know what God's called you to be and to do. And you're walking with all the assignments along the way. And one day you'll stand before God and you'll say, Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. Or welcome home. My son, my daughter, you've done well. And the destination continues. See, the beauty of this thing, it's not, it's not for them just an earthly thing. And he, has a, he has a great passage. 2 Corinthians. Because it's... The reality is that when we set our sights to go somewhere of the eternal glory that we will be partakers of, there's pain and suffering and loss all along the way. But here's the thing. So we do not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4.16. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning short, they, they disappear, they don't hang around forever. But the things that are unseen are eternal. That is our hope. And if you've set your destination to one day, when you breathe your last breath on earth, you've set it far too short. It's what God's got for you. And that's what gives us hope and faith to arise of what we do here on earth because it's far beyond and it keeps going. You're not going to be sitting on a harp 
on a cloud playing a harp for the rest of your time in heaven. I promise. Neil, you look worried there. That was, that's not you, eh? It's not going to be boring. There's going to be so much stuff to do and be busy with and to be doing amazing stuff in a kingdom that's created in perfection. But this is all waiting and waiting and waiting for us here. It's preparing us for a greater things to come. So I ask you the question, what is your mandate on earth? What has he called you to do? What has he called you? What has he placed in your heart with your giftings, your desires and the passions, things that just make you tick, things that make you come alive? Not only things out there, but things for God. Why are you here? What is the point of being here? Mandated to do good things for the king and his kingdom. Because Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How powerful is that? When I was born in the hospital in Port Elizabeth, 25th February 1976, God knew beforehand that my thin blue line would be part of walking this journey now today. Amen. And my destination is not one day wherever I might be that on earth I breathe my last breath. It's with Him in eternity. He had set that in place. All it was for me to say, God, I trust you. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. As I walk along this path, you will speak to me. You will lead me. You will guide me. I will gather with people around and together, the church, we will stand in power in believing what God is doing, knowing that we're not just mandated to make a church a pretty place where we can sing great songs and listen to great sermons, but actually I'm a part of a kingdom that is established here because of the son that came and paid a price. I can now live in the glory of his kingdom. Come on. Woo. You see, you walk in your assignments that come across your desk that the king of majesty places across you. And he lays them for you. You don't operate as a slave. You operate as a son and a daughter. And I was just thinking about this this morning. You see, the thing is, the things of the kingdom of God, it doesn't need fixing. There's no fixing needed in the kingdom of God. It's all perfect. So if you think how on earth a like, natural kingdom that worked well there would be people that would be chopping wood for fires in old times. There would be people that would be farming so everyone had land. There would be people educating children. There would be businesses running with integrity. There would be people digging for gold. There would be, like, if you, those, those games, you know, Age of Empires and all those things. That's like, you've got to establish all the realities of what it makes a kingdom work and well. Do you think that's not also part of what God's given us to establish His kingdom here on earth? It's like there's a kingdom out there that's wicked. There's a kingdom out there that does business badly. There's a kingdom that lies and steals and cheats. There's a kingdom of people who are bound by wickedness and deceit and, and, and guilt and fear and shame. But we're not part of that kingdom. So that when we go into a place, we bring light. And all of a sudden we say, no, it's not going to work like that with education. And you bring a sense of standard of kingdom mentality in everyday life. And the beauty with kingdom, it's also a spiritual part. It plays out spiritually that you bring a, an aspect of shifting understandings of how the realms work in the spiritual realm over a place where you go. We're not trying to fix something. We're trying to put something in place that's already been established so the world can flourish under it. You believe me? Amen. We're all part of that. And stuff. And what is the tool? What is the resource that you've got that helps you do all this? 
Sorry, just go back one if you can, Bella. I don't know. Oh, it's, it's one forward. I think I've still got one more. Can you go forward there? Is it stuck? Anyway, I'll read it to you. Psalm 119 says this. I'm going to read the whole of Psalm 119. <laughs> Why? We all know that one's the long one, eh? Let me just get there quickly, sorry. It's actually a beautiful psalm. It's clearly written by a whole lot of different people because it's got all their names that go along the way here. But Psalm 119 verse 103 says this. Sorry, 105 says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you want to know how you're going to go there and how you're going to get to that destination, it's his word. The word became flesh. We have an understanding of a representation of the father through Jesus. His life was a model for me to follow. His word is a lamp into your feet, Jesus, who's embedded in the word, he will lead you. He will guide you. A light unto your path. A lamp unto your feet. It's just as you go, as you go. Ha, <laughs> I can see the next. And la, I can see forward. I can see ahead. So I'm saying, lift your gaze. Lift your head. Look towards next year. Start speaking to next year. So next year, we're going to prosper. Come on, next year. Next year, we're going to flourish. Next year we're going to start seeing more happen. We've got to speak it into being. We've got to start declaring and start trusting what God is doing. Not arrive there on the back foot going, well, here we go. Okay, another year. That's not our kingdom. No. We've got nothing to fix. We've got something to establish and progress of what we've been given. And the tool is the word of God. Thy word, that old Amy Grant song, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Nothing will I fear as long as you are near. Draw me close to you. Let's stand together. Just quick as they were standing eh? So this morning I, I woke up and I, I had this word that God, I felt God gave me. And he said, go and tell the people about the prophecies that I've given them. And I literally saw, and he showed me, he showed me, he said, there are, there are prophetic words that are uh, buried in laptops. There are prophetic words that are buried. He showed me on phones, on the notes, the notes app on your phones. He said, there's prophetic words in those. Notes. Tell them to go and open those words. Tell them to listen to the voice notes of the prophetic words that's been stuck there for a few years on their phones. Hmm. Tell them to, and I saw that there were prophetic words that even in some of your, some of your uh, uh, paper Bibles, there are paper words that you have stuck in, into your Bibles. And, and you don't use that Bible often because you've got digital now. Sean, go find the, the paper one. Um, but God showed me. This, uh, this is for some of you. You know you have that word that's in that Bible. Some of yours are on laptops. Some of you are written and it's just in a, in a drawer somewhere. And I felt God say, tell the people to go and dig up those prophetic words. The word of the Lord. 
Right? Mm. And, and then I was sitting here this morning, I was like, why, where, how? And, and, and then he showed me what, what Sheldon was preaching on is, is, is this. The word of the Lord yeah. is a lamp to my feet and a light from my The, the prophet, prophecy is the word of the Lord. And then he, he guided me to, to, to Proverbs, um, as I've been sitting here, Proverbs 29:18, which we all know so well, which says, where there is no vision, people perish. And, and there's two things here, which, which links in with what he shared this morning. The word perish, and I'll just read this for you. Um, the Hebrew word porah, which means perish, was the word used in a biblical proverb where a woman's hair was let flow out of its covering, unconstrained in the wind, her hair is directionless and blown in all directions. That's the Paris he's talking about. What Sheldon was talking about, the thin blue line. Without, without what? Without vision. Mm. Now, what is that vision? And some of us say, but what is the vision? What? I don't have a vision. Give me a vision, Lord. Give me, what is the vision? The prophetic word, if you go and look in the Hebrew for the word vision, in that scripture in 29.18, the, the root word is the word kozo, right? Or, or as you read it directly, chazan, chazan. But it's pronounced kozo. And that word literally means prophecy. Prophecy. So Proverbs is saying, for mm, lack mm. of prophecy, people are directionless. Because they don't hold on to the prophecy. And you have to understand that so often we hear in church people say they get discouraged. They don't want to read those prophecies because they haven't come to pass. So you get discouraged. But those words are there to encourage, not discourage. Mm. Because they haven't come to pass. Because it's there to give you vision for what will come to pass. And you've been going directionless because you've lost faith in the word of God. Mm. That word that you've mm. got in your Bible, on your phone, on your laptop, go dig them up. They haven't come to pass because it has not been time yet. Because you are still on the thin blue line going towards that. It will come to pass what the Lord has said. And that word is there to encourage you to get off the dirt roads and the back roads and back on the thin blue line. Don't be directionless. Find the thin blue line again and let the vision, the prophecy be your vision for 2020 and beyond. Amen. 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 Let's just pray together. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. <laughs> Could you read the Psalms of David? You see, he just pours out his heart and say, God, here I am, here I am. But he always is encouraged by the word of the Lord over him. And that's, that's exactly it. I've been doing that of late. This last month has been difficult. It's been a weird month for me. But I've been reading prophecies that have been spoken over me and over this church and it actually encourages me. You say, and then there is that reality of, oh God, when and how? Don't worry. Trust me, he says. Trust me. So Father, I pray over our hearts here this morning as this community that are responding to what heaven is saying to them. Knowing, Lord, that this beautiful final destination we have is with you in eternity and the glories of what you are, or are preparing for us to come to. But Lord, you've got a mandate and an, an assignment for us here on earth to complete today, tomorrow, and the years to come. 
But Lord, let us gain encouragement from your word, the words you've spoken over us, spoken over us, your word that is alive, that is the, the, the bread to us, that feeds us, that helps us to sustain our everyday walks with you, Lord. Help us to set these rhythms in place in our lives that do not allow the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. But that we stand firm on the truth that you've given us, that you came to give us life and life in abundance. We want to live in abundance, Lord. So, Father, help us. Help us. I pray, I pray for each of you for tomorrow. That you find a time, you find a space where you just have five, even if it's ten minutes, just to be before God. Just to worship Him. On Tuesday, you find it's just ten minutes, be before the Lord. Just ten minutes, just a little bit. If you've not been doing it, just a little bit. Just go and read your Bible. Let the Word of God wash over you. Let it wash your soul. Let it refresh you. Let it speak to you. And I just feel there's some of you here that have actually almost like stopped speaking to God. Because you're just like, well, I mean, it's just been such a mess. And, and you've just felt you've drifted further and further and further from start speaking to Him. Just start pouring your heart out to Him, saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I don't have to offer you. I can't offer you anything. I just give you my heart and say, here I am. And watch, watch Him flood you with His love. Watch Him flood you with His grace. Because the enemy wants to lie to you and tell you you've got nothing to offer. But in Jesus, you are powerful. In Jesus, you are whole. In Jesus, you are free. So I speak that over us as a community. Lord, we just want to thank you for what you're doing with us. We, we, we count it all joy, Lord. We, we thank you that we, we will forget not the benefits and all the things that you have done for us that enthuse us, that encourage us to live for you. So we honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week. Come on.